Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have another exciting founder, a founder that you know, it's going to teach us a thing or two about raising money, you know, whether it's on equity or on debt, about product market fit, about navigating, you know, the market too. And again, you know, building, scaling, financing and all of the above. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Andrew Long. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Alejandro. Excited to be here. Uh, I think I mentioned it in the pre-show, but uh, you've had a number of uh, my friends and I'm subscribed to the newsletter. So excited to be on. Amazing. So, hey, so born and raised in San Jose. So give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? Oh, man. Uh, life was generally good. Uh, only child. Grew up in San Jose. Suburban living. Uh, interestingly, grew up to uh, grew up uh, with immigrant parents. And uh, actually, despite the fact that I grew up, I mean, more or less within the, the dot-com era, uh, had next to zero exposure. Uh, despite being basically in the, the heart of it all. Um, we were squarely middle class. We did okay, uh, but never sort of truly financially secure. Um, so went through the last recession. Uh, parents faced some financial hardship. Um, had a house foreclosed on. Obviously, it was a pretty pretty terrible experience, um, especially uh, considering the fact that I'm an only child and kind of the strain that that uh, put on our, our family, uh, our small family unit. Um, that, of course, later uh, informed my perspective on financial security, uh, passive income, and, and, and the like. And how do you think that uh, also having immigrant parents, you know, I'm sure that that has shaped quite a bit your own way of seeing things. Because, I mean, your parents coming here to provide a better future for the family, you know, I'm sure that that has you know, build some character, you know, on you. And, and, and I guess, how so? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, well, given that uh, my parents came here was next to nothing. Uh, I mean, of course, the their immediate objective was how do I just earn a living? Uh, when my dad first came here, he was uh, about 20 or so um, from, from Vietnam. Uh, and kind of the first thing he, he used to do was he used to deliver pizza. Uh, as kind of his first job, despite the fact that he was college educated back in Vietnam and, and things of that nature. Um, so fast forward to, to when I became a, uh, when I was born and during my upbringing, uh, I think there was a, a major emphasis on how do you find a good job with good benefits uh, that pay the bills and is consistent and something that you don't have to work uh, painful hours doing. Uh, I'd say that was probably what, one of the biggest takeaways um, growing uh, growing up from immigrant parents. Um, of course, there was kind of the, the other side of it where I kind of learned the, the grit and the fight um, that I think uh, has helped shape me uh, and what I am today. So obviously school was not your thing, right? <laughs> not your thing. And, and I guess, you know, that ended up getting me into startup land. Why startups? Why would startups be the only ones that would want to uh, take a bit on you? Oh yeah. Um, to my parents' dismay, and to my mine as well. School was a uh, school was never good to me, and I was not good to school. I mean, I 
I grew up with mediocre grades at best, um, and at, at one point entered college and was studying uh, uh, chemistry, trying, trying to be a doctor. Got nowhere near it, um, but uh, the the fortunate part was uh, I ended up going to school in San Francisco, um, effectively the the heart of where um, the, the the heart uh, of where startups uh, are, um, and so kind of stumbled my way into startup land at a uh, first at a company called Misfit. Um, Misfit wearables. It, it was a uh, um, this is back in roughly 2014 or so, um, and ended up do, doing sales there. Um, learned a lot. Uh, kind of startups gave me a vehicle um, for me to really accelerate myself, uh, contribute to something that was sort of greater than my day to day that I was clearly floundering at as well, um, and obviously provided me with a a little bit of an income tip. So while while you were you know doing the rodeo in different startups. I mean, you were on on different of them, like Misfit or Gengo or even Indeed or, you know, human interest. So I guess the um, the roles that you were taking were mainly sales, business development. What did you learn about sales and business development that perhaps, you know, has really helped you, you know, when it comes to building your own business? Primarily learned a lot. I'd say that there's some things I have to unlearn, too. Uh, in my day-to-day job uh, r- running DoorVest. But uh, I mean, honestly, I- I'd say that the biggest one, is, it's a big cliche, is just uh, um, the ability to just take no's over and over and over again. Um, I- I'd probably say it's probably one of, one of the biggest ones. Um, similar to some of the topics I think we might cover later, um, when you are working in sales, um, oftentimes you're talking to, what, a 100 a uh, hundred different people at any given time and possibly 10% or so actually sign a contract and deal with you. Um, and so sometimes you go on a dry spell and you're on your 10th, 11th, 12th, 20th, 30th no, um, and you still have to trust in the process and continue to go on. Um, it sounds quite uh, quite similar to, to fundraising. Oftentimes you're talking to 30, 40, 50 um, investors until you, you finally get a yes. So... In your case, you know, you were involved in startups since the beginning, but it took you about eight years to launch Dorvest. I mean, what were what were you waiting for? Oh man, um, Dorvest was very organic. Um, so along the way, I got into startups, uh, and some of the the learnings as a childhood was uh, how do you build financial wealth for yourself and build uh, a nest egg, etc. And so. Um, during those eight years, uh, where I ended up was uh, ended up getting into uh, investment real estate, um, so single family rental homes. Um, ended up buying my first uh, rental in Sacramento uh, in 2014. Uh, one led to two, and two led to a little bit over ten. Um, so by day, uh, I was working sort of at these various startups. Nights and weekends was was buying real estate, um, and at some point. The intersection of those two roads uh, became Dorbass. Uh, and it took a little bit of time. And maybe had I not been so stubborn, uh, I, I could have got started on, on it a little bit earlier. And I think that you you alluded to it, obviously, the the hardships that you experienced with the family, you know, the foreclosure, all of that, you know, were some of the things that were in you that uh, perhaps, you know, got you thinking about the passive income opportunities. As you were thinking about passive income, you know, and passive investments, how do you land into real estate? Why real estate out of all things? Yeah, um, I think this came sort of intuitively to, to me. On one end, my day job and sort of the way that I live the majority of my life 
uh, was in sort of early early stage venture back startups. Um, so uh, not a uh, sort of defined path. Um, lots of upside for sure, um, but high risk as well. Um, and so I think by uh, the nights and weekends, I was drawn to something that was a little bit more reliable, predictable, something you could put in a spreadsheet and, and truly see what the numbers meant. Um, and so real, real estate became that avenue. Um, the, sort of the underwriting of, uh, of an investment home was much more quantitative and certainly m- much less qualitative um, than, than startups. Um, you're looking at the rental income. You're looking at all the operating expenses, maybe some uh, factoring in um, debt costs, like how, how much the, the mortgage might cost. And, and therefore, that's your yield on the home. Um, and then maybe you have a little bit of an implied growth rate on the home's value and the rental income over time. That's effectively it. It was quite straightforward. I had a day job. I paid my bills, saved up some money, then went to buy real estate. Uh, what was kind of the, the formula there. And also, what was the formula of uh, of buying the the real estate? Because I mean, you were saving some money, but my God, getting all the way up to ten homes—I mean, that's a that's quite a ton of um, properties. You know, anyone you know that would have heard that, you know, they would be like, "My God, you're like a big time millionaire." That uh, I mean, how did you do that? Oh man, um, yeah, was not definitely was not a big time millionaire, but maybe one of these days. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, effectively, it was just. Um, it was similar to the, the principle that I ended up taking with startups too. I mean, you 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 focus on immediately what's next. Um, so in 2014, I was 20 at the time, uh, and my my claim to fame was I bought my first investment home before I could buy a drink at the bar. Um, and so bought 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 the fir- focus on getting the first home, um, and then that was it. And then from there, focus on getting the next home, uh, and then that was it. And then so on and so forth. And then you keep you you keep focused on that goal. And you stay disciplined uh, day in, day out. Um, and then three or four years later, I look backwards and I owned a little bit over 10 homes. Uh, what was kind of the, the, the mentality there? And was it like a down payment and then some financing and, and, and getting the tenants to pay for the mortgage? Or what was the strategy there? You know, because obviously you were an employee doing sales and, and, and and also business development. It's not like you had just done like a massive, you know, acquisition for hundreds of millions of dollars. So so what was the strategy there to be able to to build a portfolio like that? How did you arrange that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, sometimes I talk to some of my friends that are very successful entrepreneurs with hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, uh, the way they get into real estate is quite different from how I, I scrap together things. Um, so um, one detail is in uh, my first home in Sacramento in 2014 was the cheapest three bedroom in the entire city at the time. Uh, it was a three bedroom, one bath for ninety six thousand um, dollars. So obviously, it's worth uh, the, the home values are much higher now, um, but at the time it was ninety six thousand um, dollars. So uh, I come up with twenty or twenty five percent of that, call it twenty or thirty k, um, and then uh, get a mortgage for the remainder. Um, get really creative around financing. Um, so how do we refinance this mortgage, maybe get some of my cash out so I could uh, pile that into the next home uh, quickly. Um, and also uh, got, got creative with uh, and, and learning how to raise some capital from friends and family. Um, so I'd go around, talk about what I was doing, uh, offer some interest in exchange for some of their capital, um, and then use some of those vehicles to accelerate uh, my ability to, to buy subsequent ones. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that 
you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieverson, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. And obviously, you know, people started asking you, hey, how how the hell are you doing this, Andrew? Hey, you became there the uh, the popular guy, you know, in the, the circle of friends and family, like the, the, the mogul of the homes, no? And and I guess that's the, um, eventually, the way that Dorbest, you know, came to light. So walk us through that incubation process on how you were thinking about really building the company or, or, or how the company came together. And then all of a sudden, one day, you know, you wake up and you're like, my God, this is real. It's happening. Yeah. It was uh, similar to kind of some of your prior questions too. It was very organic and it, it was step by step. Uh, I wish I was a little bit more daring and jumped a couple of steps, but uh, it, it was sort of always step by step for, for me. Um, it started with me buying real estate for myself. And then secondly, um, uh, from, from there, it was, Similar to as you were saying, friends and family and coworkers would say like, Andrew, like I have forty or $50,000 saved up. I heard you do real estate. Um, can you show me how to do it? Um, and it was like, yes, of course. Great. Um, here's how you find a market, find an agent, write offers, get a mortgage, title, insurance, uh, renovate, lease, manage, uh, accounting, and then the bookkeeping. Um, and then you got to do it a couple more times in order to really build out a portfolio because one, one home isn't going to get you the, the nest egg or the financial security you're looking for. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I would give them that playbook, send them off on their way. And it was like, I, I love talking about this stuff. Give me a call. Give me a text. We can hang out anytime and talk about this stuff. Um, four months later, it was like clockwork. Uh, bump into them at a, at a friend's house or an event or something. And I was like, how did you do? Um, and every single person over the course of three or four years was like, couldn't get started, still want to do it. Can you do this for me? Um, and so at some point, that, that became the, the genesis uh, of DoorBest, um, that it, there was more to it than simply content. Like there had to be sort of a platform approach um, to, to giving uh, people access to an asset cost that they want um, access to. And so... Uh, from there, uh, I think the the conventional Silicon Valley wisdom: uh, go, go find your technical co-founder to to do it with you. Um, fortunately, um, there was a good friend of mine, uh, still is a good friend, 
uh, Justin, he, he's also our, our CTO and co-founder. Um, we've been friends for years. We hacked on, um, like back when I was buying the real estate, he would scrape websites to help me pull data. And then back when there, there was a time where I got into buying a bunch of cars to rent it out on platforms too. He helped me uh, pull together data, et cetera. Um, approached him. Uh, and uh, fortunately, and to my surprise, he, he was very, uh, very open and down to, to embarking on this journey w with me. So what ended up being the moment where you guys realize product market fit is there? Our first two customers were folks from that extended network um, that I that over the years had asked me for help on how to get started uh, in real estate. Um, and so I think that the first lesson there is, uh, I mean, this is cliche at this point, but solve something that's near and dear to, to you. Um, and that was clearly that. Um, they also bought two of my homes, and fortunately, they've done very well uh, over the last several years with it. Um, from there, we went out, uh, fought tooth and nail to to raise our first 300K, um, closed that 300K um, early March of 2020. Uh, I think it was like a week and a half before COVID hit. Um, I thought we were dead, by the way, once COVID hit, but fortunately, it was not, not the case. Um, but we, we really focus on uh, driving uh, customer demand uh, and folks that did not have a established trust uh, in my personal brand. Um, and so we, we took a, a very methodical sort of funnel approach. We started top of the funnel. How do we get lots of people to land on our website? Um, so we started testing with, uh, experimenting with performance marketing, Facebook, Google, et cetera. Um, and then once we got a good concentration of that, then we took the next step down the funnel, which was um, now that we have a lot of people looking on our website, they're not bouncing, et cetera. Um, how do we get them to book a call with us and, and talk to us? Um, and this is where I think my my sales background came in handy. Is uh, I was very comfortable with just hopping on the line and, and speaking with people. But uh, from there, uh, we we optimize for people to book a call with us. Oh man, there was one time we did a uh, a big uh landing page redesign and i think i did 40 calls that week and uh it, it was crazy um but anyways um that what once we unlocked calls and we felt like that worked um then it was the next step which is like put down a deposit w with us um so that uh we could start looking for an investment home for you um of course this is the critical piece because this is when they're whipping out a credit card and actually giving us some money um and so we launched that piece, and for weeks on end, I was pitching it to customers. It's like end-to-end -end real estate platform. Here's how you. Uh, here's the homes that we look for. Here's example homes. Um, if you're interested, let let's get you on the platform by putting down a deposit. Um, and it was week one went by. There's people that seem like they're interested. No deposits. Week two went by. There's people that sounded like they were interested. No deposit. Um, and it got all the way up to week five. And at one point, I looked over at Justin and I was like, oh, shoot, maybe we don't have anything here. Um, we're talking to a lot of people um, and we're trying and clearly no one's uh, paying for this. Um, but fortunately, somewhere in week five, the first one rolled in. Uh, and I remember uh, Justin and I uh, went and we, we bought a bottle of champagne and popped it. Uh, and actually... We hadn't even built the deposit flow yet first uh, at that time. We were still experimenting to see if there was demand for it. Uh, but anyways, the first one came in and then they 
all started rolling in after that. And, and, and I think that was the moment where we realized that, that we really have something here. Now, for the people that are listening to get it, what ended up being the business model of DoorBest? How do you guys make money? Yeah. Um, so uh, effectively, we're, we're building uh, Amazon for, for real estate, uh, investment real estate. Um, how do we start with the consumer and their investment preferences? Source and match homes based on their criteria, and then make it easy for them to transact uh, entirely online. Um, and so um, what, when we help a customer buy a home, um, we'll, we'll charge a, a cut of that transaction. It hovers around 6 to 8% uh, as of right now. Um, and then uh, once they close and take full title of the home, um, we'll manage it on the back end and we'll, uh, and we'll generate about 10% uh, in, in management fees ongoing. 70% um, of our customers are, are first-time homeowners, um, and then about 20% have purchased a subsequent home. Um, so business model-wise, we're focused on capturing people before they're ready to buy their first home but interested in real estate, um, and then stay close to them and partner with them along their journey uh, as they build out their, their portfolio over time. So uh, ultimately for this, how much capital have you guys raised to date? Yeah, um, uh, to date we've raised just shy of $23 million in equity uh, and, and about $75 million in debt to, to fund the acquisition and the renovation of the real estate. So how does it work, the equity versus debt on a play like DoorBest? Yeah, so uh, the equity is um, the platform, the engineers, the R&D. Um, effectively, it's everything that makes it such that uh, a consumer could buy a home totally sight unseen within a matter of clicks. Um, it's kind of where I, I, I see the, the equity going into, um, effectively the marketplace platform. Um, and then the debt is, uh, is the pure real estate side of the business. Um, so for us to deliver on that seamless experience, um, we buy the home on customer behalf. We do renovations if needed. We'll place a resident uh, before we start managing. Um, so we'll, we'll fully stabilize the home uh, for the consumer um, in order to have the capital to especially buy and renovate the, the real estate. Um, uh, we, we, we raise the, the debt to, to support that piece. So tell us about how you play the fundraising game. What have you learned around process and then also how it works? <laughs> uh, learned a lot uh, and probably still would not consider myself an expert. But uh, I, I guess what, one thing that uh, I had to unlearn or at least shift my perspective on is uh, when we did our first round, uh, being the, the total novice that, that I was, uh, and given that I came from a sales background, it was like cold emails. So how do we build a big list of uh, a lot of investors that are within our target, write emails to all of them, uh, and then build a funnel out of that, write emails to all of them, then we'll book some calls, and then hopefully uh, call, first calls lead to second calls, lead to term sheets, lead to us getting a round done. Um, Little did I know that's kind of not how uh, early stage uh, fundraising uh, works. Uh, it's certainly you do build your list and you, you want a pipeline, et cetera. Uh, but it's really about um, finding founders in adjacent spaces uh, and working with them to uh, request introductions to investors that have backed them or that they're close to. Um, and, and that's kind of been what one of the early learnings um, for, for folks out there that have never raised cash before. That was a big one for me. Um, in terms of, I mean, there, there's mechanics that I'm sure you know better than I, but uh, 
running a process is quite important. Um, fundraisers are one of those things where either you get a quick no or you get a really slow no. Um, and generally, you, you probably want to strike the balance between a quick no and a really slow no. And the way that you do that is uh, you drive some momentum in, in the process um, because momentum accelerates timelines and gets everyone on the same page, et cetera. Now, walk us through a practical case on how it would work with with one of those founders, no? because I'm sure that there's going to be, I mean, I, I agree with you. That's an incredible uh, way of doing it, but almost no one really does it or knows about it. So can you just walk up, up about, you know, from a practical perspective, how it would look like? Yeah. Um, if we were to go back and raise our first round again, what I would do is uh, I would spend time with uh, founders in founders of later stage companies within adjacent spaces. So if you think we're fintech, folks that are, if this is our first round, call it a seed round. Um, and if you think we're in fintech, maybe folks that are ABC rounds, um, maybe NB is a little bit more relevant, but let's just say ABC rounds in fintech that you look up to. Um, maybe it's prop tech, maybe it's some some other vertical um, that, that you think is uh, related, but not competitive with yourself. Um, and so spend time with these founders. Um, and the way that uh, we ended up doing it, and I still love doing this to date, is uh, follow, follow their companies, learn more about them, uh, and reach out to them and ask, ask them to talk and just do an intro. Um, I, I think you'd be surprised at how many founders uh, are open to doing this. I think they've They've uh, made progress. They've seen the pain of it. And so they're, they're typically relatively willing to, to spend time with you. Um, do an intro. Tell them more about, learn, learn more about their business. Hear about their story. Um, and then share a little bit more about yourself, your background, what you're building, et cetera. Um, and, and look for an eagle. Like um, maybe tell them that you're thinking about fundraising. How would they approach it? Um, and then do, do, do 10 or 20 of these. Um, and I'd say... What happens as a result of these conversations is that uh, uh, you either gain advice, they tell you uh, soup to nuts what they've done or some diluted version of that. I've always found that so helpful is the, the firsthand experience. Uh, and hopefully it's uh, recent and relevant enough. Secondly, um, they might offer to, they, they might give you the advice and they might offer to invest in your round. Great, you've secured yourself a, a, a small check. Um, or Thirdly, um, they'll give you some advice, invest in your round, and also offer to introduce you to some of their investors. Um, and I'd say their introductions to investors that believe in them uh, are probably your highest signal uh, introductions. This is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing, Andrew. I'm sure that it's going to make a really big difference to the people that are listening that right now are either thinking about raising or that are in the middle of it. So let's say you were to go to sleep tonight, Andrew. And you have this snooze of a lifetime. You wake up in a world where the vision of Dorbest is fully realized. What does that world look like? So uh, contrary to popular belief, I, I do go to sleep every night. So hopefully I wake up to tomorrow and what, what we're about to describe happens. Uh, what I'd say is uh, there's some mix between Amazon and a bank. Um, and so on one end, Amazon, and I think we... I certainly do, but I think we all take for granted. Um, nowadays, it's just how easy and how quickly you could think of toilet paper, 
three or four clicks on your app, and then it shows up in, in a couple hours if you want, uh, if you really want that that to happen. Um, that's my hope for real estate. Um, can you hop on Dorvas, potentially a mobile app one day, comb through what home you're looking for? Are we looking for a cash flow home? Are we looking for a uh, really nice home in a great neighborhood, et cetera? Um, and then within a matter of clicks, you could buy that that home uh, as your first home. Um, and then from there, um, I think that's where uh, the, the banking uh, analogy comes in. So homes are a major investment, oftentimes uh, the, the largest source of American net worth. Um, and in our in our model, hopefully, uh, folks own more homes than not, uh, more, more than the average number of homes than the average American. Um, and so um, can we stay close to you as a relationship manager at a bank does uh, to really understand your needs over time? Uh, and so over time, um, you've bought this home, then you've bought a couple more homes from Dorvest. Uh, it's increased in value. Um, and you're looking to buy a primary residence, maybe. Can we help you with that? You're looking to refinance. Can we help you with that? You're looking for deposit and banking services. Can we help with that? Uh, and we know your home well, and we know your residence well. Can we give you insurance or lend you uh, more money for you to buy, expand your portfolio, uh, et cetera? Um, I'd say some combination between that those two uh, is the end state of Dorbas. Well, that sounds like a beautiful future eh, to wake up into. Eh? So, so good stuff, Andrew. Now, let's talk about the past, but doing it with a lens of reflection. You know, let's say, you know, you were to um, get into a time machine and you wake up, you know, right there where you are having a chat with your younger self. You see your younger self before even, you know, Dorbist was born and you are able to give that younger self one piece of advice for launching a business. What would you tell that younger self and why? I'll tell him, well, lots to tell him, but I'll, I'll tell him two things uh, at this point. Uh, one, and this is what everyone told me, uh, and I, it, I never could have taken it to heart until I experienced it myself, but uh, it is so much harder. Uh, like the, the lows are so much lower, uh, but of course the highs are much higher as well um, than one could wildly realize. Um, and so uh, I, I take that piece to heart. And so I think what's important there is, uh, and this is kind of my, my message to the audience, is uh, really work on things that you, you care deeply about. Uh, because inevitably, in the course of building a big business, you're going to hit so many lows. Um, and the only way for you to get back up the next day is to work on something that, that you care about. Um, and the only way that you build a big business is by getting up the, the next day. Um, so I, I'd say that that is kind of the, the first piece. Um, and then number two is uh, just go do it, uh, is, is the second piece. Uh, I think to some of your questions before, I think I, it took me a little bit longer than than I, I, I probably should have in hindsight. I think we should have just jumped in, dived in, uh, and then figured it out as we did later. Um, I think I was a little bit too calculated, a little bit too methodical. Uh, wanted to save up some money and prove some demand, et cetera, et cetera. But there's nothing like being uh, doing it day in, day out uh, with a co-founder or several co-founders, et cetera. Um, so I, I would say find something that you care about and be sure that you care about it. And number two is then just do it. You can always go back and get another job. I love it. So, Andrew, for the people that are listening, that would love to reach out and say hi. What is the best way for them to do so? 
Yeah, uh, dorvest.com uh, is great. Uh, and then feel free to shoot me an email uh, as well, andrew at dorvest.com, uh, if you're curious about real estate or startups, etc. cetera. Uh, I don't think I have all of the answers. In fact, probably just have a, a, a small portion, but uh, I'll, I'll try to try to answer as best as I can. Amazing. Well, hey, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.